Here we are again. How are you, Sam? I'm good. How are you, Chris? I'm good. It has uh, become a beautiful, beautiful day. It was super it chilly this morning, but it's getting there. I'm a late riser, so this counts as early morning for me still, I even though it's know. like well, eh, it's it's like after eleven already. But this is the funny <laughs> thing about our our team. I'm like, what is it now? I'm like six hours into my day, and oh, it's like just waking up. <laughs> like I haven't woken up probably. <laughs> but it takes it takes all kinds, which is great, and. Yeah, welcome everybody to the Samwise Yaboinski podcast. So glad you're here. excited for our guest today. She is one of a triumvirate of incredible folks that we have leading our social action. She is a mom of two teenage daughters, which terrifies me uh, because my little girl is six and her daughters are amazing. Wonderful, wonderful youth. Um, I'm just... Uh, there's moments where my six-year-old screams, you've ruined my life in these really <laughs> dramatic teenage ways. And I'm like, you're six, man. Like, what is it going to be like when we're actually there? So anyway, but that's all neither here nor there. Laura Caputo, so excited to have you here. We get to work with so many people at the church, but there is there is really a special kind of wonderful type of volunteer who steps into a long established, really high functioning uh, part of the church and helps shepherd the next chapter in its life. And that's really, for those of you who might not know, uh, Laura and a team of people came in and, and helped take over the social action committee. Some really wonderful leaders had been had been moving the social action committee and really holding it for so long and doing a really incredible job and making so much change happen and helping engage so many of our people. But they really wanted to transition out. And and Laura and this team of folks said, said yes and stepped in and have really done an incredible job. I think both just helping us do amazing work in the world, but then also really helping shape, I think, a really exciting moment uh, in this new sort of evolutionary phase of social action at First Church. So so I'm deeply, deeply grateful. It's a it's a big task to step into and and it's been it's been really fun to get to to work with you and get to know you a little more. And so I'm excited to have you here and get to talk a little bit about your backstory and hear a little bit more about you and about all the stuff that um, we have going on. So welcome. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. So how long have you guys been coming and how did you get connected to the church? So our original tie-in with the church is through Kathy Crawley, who's one of my neighbors. Mm-hmm. And she was kind of my first friend when I moved to Belmont back in 2003. 
Wow. Uh, which feels like forever ago. <laughs> um, she and I met through our dogs. Our dogs were best friends and used to play in the backyard. And she and I would talk and we were always kind of similarly minded. And she always kind of encouraged us to check out First Church. And I would say it probably took us 10 years. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> 10 years later before we really started getting involved. And that was in 2013 when we were coming back from living in Australia. What? Where we, yeah. So we, we went and we lived in Australia for eight months. Wow. Um, oh, really? Wow. Yeah. For, for my husband's job, he, yeah. um, he was working, he works for Bose and mm-hmm. still does. And he was working in their Asia Pacific sales division. And he had this opportunity to kind of do a deep dive on the Australia business. And we were able to move there and our kids were four and six at the time. And we put them into public school in Australia. Mm -hmm. It's where they started kindergarten and first grade. And we had this amazing time. And then we came back and we were kind of ready to start new you know, family traditions. And we Mm -hmm. decided to kind of start coming more regularly to first church at that point. Wow. And, uh, I remember, so it's worth saying something about the dogs too. So you had, (laughs) what, what was (laughs) Kathy's dog? Well, tell us about your dog too. Sure. So our dog is a Bernie's mountain dog. Uh Um, so, you know, 110 pounds at his full, Full height, full size. And uh, Kathy had a, um, what is that breed? Apologies. She had this fabulous dog named Lou. Uh Um, And so when when Ollie was a puppy, he and Lou would play for hours. And at the time, uh, Brian was traveling for work. And Kathy, at that point, her daughter was a teenager, and she and I would, you know, sit and chat, and the dogs would play, and then sometimes it would get late, and she would invite me to stay for dinner, and, wow. you know, it was a really, it was a great first connection, and then mm-hmm. I continue to see her, because she walks her dogs, you know, around the neighborhood all the time, so she walks past my house, and I wave, yeah. and you know, if one of us is driving down the street, we're, we're the kind of friends who like pull over and talk to each other. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's great. And so uh, then when you finally came, I mean, I think the first, the first way I met your, your daughters too, was in, in the play. So did they start right away in the. Yeah, that's a good question. Tess has always, I should say, had kind of a theatrical bent. Um, And so I was pretty excited to get her involved in the play. And she definitely started when she was in, you know, the junior, I can't remember what they call it, but kind of the junior choir where they give them just the one song that they work on and they're all just adorable. Just the best thing ever. Um, And it's just Mm -hmm. the cutest thing ever and they can do no wrong. And so she did that in um, one production and then there was Shrek and she was one of the three pigs in uh, Shrek, uh, <laughs> so which good. I got a kick out of. Uh, so she you know, embraced that role with two other friends. And then the next year was really her crowning achievement was um, in Newsies. 
she got to be, she sold the papers. I'm trying yeah, to remember yeah. her. Uh, she was Weisel. Weisel. Okay. Well, and she was just, uh, a, not in a bad way, but a scene stealer. You know what I mean? She was yeah. just like such a big presence in it. You were like, oh, oh, okay. Who is that? <laughs> yeah, she's funny because she's, she's petite, but she's really funny. And yeah. I think people don't totally realize that about her. I mean, she yeah. she actually has kind of this. And she also, she's a very adult person in the way she talks. And so mm. she always likes to joke that, you know, now she's 13 and she says, you know, I look like I'm 10. I talk like I'm 20. <laughs> I dress like I'm 17, but really I'm 13. <laughs> wow. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in for it. So my daughter is now six and already you can just see the, the little moments where, you know, I'm sort of a little fascinated and horrified about this moment that, but maybe, so before we jump into the social action, how has that been? I mean, so you've been parenting two, two, yeah tweens um, or teens or whatever we call them during this has, whole pandemic. You know, it's been kind of bittersweet. I, mm. um, I think our family's been really lucky in terms of the pandemic. I mean, we are healthy. We can work from home. Our family members that are ri- at risk are taking really good precautions. So we're not yeah. super worried mm. about them. Mm. And so it kind of became this time of intense family togetherness. Mm. Um, And in some ways that's kind of nice, you know, as a parent, it's like, I think my kids are at this really interesting stage where they have a lot to say and they have opinions and thoughts about the world and they're still listening to us for like five (laughs) more minutes. Um, And so I felt like we kind of had this chance to have all these discussions quick before they kind of tuned Mm -hmm. us out. Mm -hmm. Uh, We did a lot of family dinners Mm. kind of, You know, the way I like to think of it is, you know, there are a lot of people are focused on the learning loss that our students have. And I just figured they're learning different things during this time. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And so, you know, they're learning about how to get through difficult situations. They're learning about putting other people's needs in front of their own. Mm -hmm. They... You know, uh, Emily was taking, was in eighth grade last year and Tess is in eighth grade this year. And one of the things you take in eighth grade is civics. Mm-hmm. And I, of course, you know, just dive, dove in to uh, make every dinner a different civics lesson, which they kind of <laughs> roll their eyes at. But, but it also means, you know, they got to watch us go through a national election and yeah. we were calling and texting voters and mm-hmm, they... Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian and I are both on town meeting, which actually happened over Zoom. And so my kids actually watched one of the town meetings or part wow. of it. Wow. And, uh, you know, we had this conversation about Indigenous Peoples Day. And then yeah. she got to watch, you know, my 14 year old stayed on and watched the discussion about it. And um, so that, I think that was interesting. We, we watched yeah. all of the West Wing as a family. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. Just to just to remember what a functioning democracy looks like. Right. I love the West Wing. I, Me too. Um, yeah. Oh, I, it's great stuff. But I don't want to lose. You said something so beautiful just now, and I want to just underline it with a thousand markers. You know, we were talking about the loss of learning, but that that all of our kids, our youth especially, really all of our kids are just learning different things. And 
one of the things that we talk about in our OWL class, our comprehensive sexuality education curriculum, is that like kids are always learning about sexuality Mm because they're watching us. You know, they're watching their parents and caregivers and they're watching the adults around them and how they interact and, you know, they're kind of constantly. And so one of the things, like you're saying, that they've really been learning is how to move through hard times and how we as a family and how we as a community support each other and hold each other as we're facing huge, complicated moments like this. And I, I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't really framed it like that. I really appreciate that because that's, it's really true. It's really true. And I should say I'm a huge fan of OWL and the curriculum. And actually it was Mm -hmm. a big part of us choosing the church. Uh, It was this, you know, idea of giving our kids that. Yeah. uh, I don't know that, that chance to learn about it in that way. And actually, having had both kids go through L and then, you know, watching things like West wing, we get into all these conversations about like, you know, he's her boss and it's not really appropriate for him to say that. And these two really shouldn't be dating. Right. uh, Yeah. But the dialogue is just so snappy. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I I think I love the West wing. To to just uh, write all my lines. Yeah. I, I feel like um, the West Wing has always made me feel relaxed about my job. You know, uh, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, that's harder. That's just yeah. genuinely harder. Yeah. You know, the way I think about the, the way I think about the West Wing though is, <laughs> I, I, is this American TV from the era? This is like late nineties, isn't it? It's 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 so dark. I mean, visually, it's really du- all the interiors yeah. are really oh, dark. I'm like, it's weird. I don't I don't know yeah. if it was the period or the cameras or what. Yeah, and it was, you know, there's just no windows, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, so the West Wing and the civics kind of brings us, you know, to this exciting part of and the real gift that you've been giving to the church for a while now is all of your leadership and your work with the team in the social action committee and sort of a little bit about maybe how did that come about? And, you know, what are you excited about in this moment with all of that? Sure. Well, I would say that came about also through my friendship with Kathy, Kathy uh, because she was one of the former chairs of the committee. Yeah. Yeah. And she's the one who got me kind of coming to meetings initially. And then she was the person who reached out to me and said, you know, would you consider taking on a leadership position? And for me, I think I was at a time where the news was really, really stressful. Yeah. And mm. I had this feeling like, I just need to take all this angst that I have and channel it into action or I'm just going to go out of my mind. And so she asked and I kind of thought about it and I was like, okay, you know, of all the things to focus on, you know, for me to take some time to really just focus on social action that seems fitting for the moment. Mm. And then, um, Fran Yuan and Margaret Eklund and I kind of landed in this role just as the pandemic was hitting. Yeah. And so it kind of created this opportunity where we pretty much couldn't do anything we'd done in the past. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was sure of us starting from scratch, which is daunting, yeah. but also liberating in yeah. some ways. And I would say that you, the vote work yeah. is one of the things that really caught 
the moment. Yeah. Um, and we got a lot of traction around that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really meaningful. I mean, I, I ended up, yeah, we all, they, there was a big, uh, a big push to write postcards, um, and do phone calls to voters. And yeah. we, we partner with this group called reclaim our vote hmm. that is based, I think based in Virginia, but their, um, their mission is to reach out to voters of color in states with a history of voter suppression, hmm. which is basically the entire Southeast seaboard, <laughs> you know, or, you know, the, sort of Virginia south to Florida and then all the way over, including, you know, Arizona and Texas. Mm, Mm. And so we wrote a lot of postcards to voters. And then uh, as the election... When when you say a lot, sorry to interrupt, when you say a lot, I think it's worth mentioning some numbers because it's truly amazing what ended up happening. It was thousands. I mean, I'm not sure I can Mm. say the exact number, but every time... You know, we would get, you know, send out 500 postcards at a time. Yeah. And, and all just, you know, uh, Priscilla Cobb and um, yes. Catherine Bonfiglia were really instrumental in this. And they had this wonderful organization set up where, you know, people would sign up to do a set of 25 postcards. And then they would get just a little packet that you would pick up with your 25 postcards, what to write on it. Here are the stamps. Here are the addresses. You know, go. And people really liked it. And so we just kept signing up for more. And then as the election got closer, we focused on making phone calls to voters. And that, I have to say, that was really intimidating for a lot of people, myself included. But ended up being really satisfying because Mm. I kind of focused on calling voters in Georgia. Mm. Um, And it felt like a year where you could want to vote and not know how. And yeah. I just feel like all these hurdles had been put up uh, in front of voters to keep them from the polls. And it felt really good to be kind of on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. And so we would call people and say, you know, early voting is starting on this date. And this is the website where you can go and find out where you vote. And, you know, if you vote by mail, this is where you can drop it off. And, and you know, people would genuinely, I mean, you get a lot of hangups and you get a lot of wrong numbers but mm. I, would get, I would get people who would be like hold on let me get a pen <laughs> you know i want to write yeah. down that phone number and i was like oh my god you actually you know want this information yeah. and you weren't telling them who to vote for you were just saying here's you know here's how to do it yeah. um and and that was really satisfying and then i feel like you know i felt like i had some little part in the georgia win and you feel really invested in that mm. Mm. And we're continuing to send postcards out. So the most recent round, we just sent 500 postcards in September Mm -hmm. um, to voters in Virginia. Mm -hmm. And Virginia is actually one of the states that has expanded voting rights. And so we reminded people of that and said, you know, here's a slate of people who are running for re-election. And, you know, here's where, where to go and when early voting starts. I love that. And and one of the one of the other fascinating things about that is we were joining with, you know, 
so many UUs all across the entire country who were all doing exactly that, which ended up making this huge tidal wave of of support. And for two important things, I mean, obviously, you know, it had tangible effects helping to combat, you know, racist voter suppression <laughs> efforts, which are just, you know, horrible that people are trying to take the vote out of people's hands. But then also... You know, like you're saying in the beginning, you know, this was like a really complicated time where it was really sad and we we're hearing so much, you know, sort of desperate, hopeless news. And to be able to like do something, to be able to actively participate in a way really makes such a huge difference mm. for folks. Yeah. Yeah. And so while you're talking about actively participating, I want to plug another you thing we have going on. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So there's a group called UU Mass Action that you yes. guys know about. So this is um, one of the s- state action networks. Um, and they're great, very much aligned with UU principles. And they have, you know, they basically promote legislative campaigns in climate justice, immigrant justice, criminal law reform indigenous legislative agenda and economic justice. So great overlap with the things we're doing and they have these monthly action hours. Mm. So what I like about this is, you know, you, I, I get a ton of emails saying, you know, call your representative about this or sign on to this thing. And it's really hard to find the time to sit down and do those things. And what they do is they just say, give us an hour at lunchtime and we will prioritize for you what is the most important thing right now. And it's all, you know, they have local partners in each of these different areas. So they're coordinating with people on the ground who are really the people most affected by this. So in the case of immigrant justice, which is something I'm passionate about, Mm. they're working with all these different immigration justice organizations. And right now in Massachusetts, there are two different bills that are going through the the process. One Mm. is the Work and Family Mobility Act. And that is about allowing state residents to apply for driver's licenses, regardless of their immigration status. Mm -hmm. And the other act is the Safe Communities Act. And that is to ensure court and police officers do not inquire about immigration status unless required by law. So that's something that's really important in terms of things like, you know, making sure that victims of crime, like domestic violence, Mm. should feel like they can go to the police or they can go seek medical help and not worry that they're going to end up deported. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. It's something where local police say, listen, we can't do our job. We can't, nobody will talk to us. We can't prosecute crimes if people don't feel safe talking to local police. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you take something like that, and what you mass action will do is, you know, one month it's they they kind of understand the whole legislative cycle, and so yeah. in the beginning they were saying what we really need right now are sponsors for the bill, and you can go to this spreadsheet. You can look up who your legislator is. You can find out if they're already sponsoring the bill. And if they're not, email them, ask them to sponsor it. Mm-hmm. 
And then another month it'll be, okay, the bill is in committee now. So we're going to email everybody on the committee and say, we want you to vote favorably on this to get it out of committee. Or Mm -hmm. right now they're taking um, testimony. And so you have a chance to write testimony about this. Mm -hmm. And what I really like about it is that there's somebody there live to answer your questions so, for instance, our state senator is Will Brownsburg. Yeah. He's actually, uh, he has a leadership role in the state Senate this year, and so he can't sponsor any bills because of that. But, you know, that saves me from writing a letter being like, hey, why aren't you sponsoring this? <laughs> 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 yeah. Because she can say, oh, actually, he's really supportive of that. But in his role, it's not appropriate for him to be a co-sponsor. But you could write to him and say, thanks so much for your continued support. We just want you to know this is important to us. Because Mm -hmm. one of the pieces of feedback we've gotten, because UU Mass Action in the spring does this advocacy day, which is great, where they kind of open it up and they visit the state house and they give you all this information about how the legislative process works and you get to meet with people. And one of the things our representatives say is that, you know, 90% of their calls are people who are mad at them. Mm. You know, so for any particular bill they support, if somebody hates it, they're going to pick up the phone call, the phone and call and say, you know, what are you doing? And we often forget to reach out to the representatives who are on our team or support Mm -hmm. the things we want to do and just say, Hey, this is important to me. Thank you for pushing on it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I I just want to plug the, the action hours because that's a really tangible thing and it's kind of fun. And, And, um, and we'll be inviting uh, groups of people, but I think, uh, when, when are those, I think it's worth. Yes. So I can tell you they're um, on Wednesdays at noon, and I can tell you the next three are October 28th, November 17th, and December 15th. Mm-hmm. But we will make a point of putting it um, in the Unitarian and on yeah. the web page and other places so that people kind of have a little reminder That's of right. when that is. That's great. And, and so all of this is sort of nested in, I wonder if, um, it's maybe worth saying a little bit about how you and the social action committee are sort of organizing our, our efforts um, sure. this year and in general, because that to me is one of the exciting things is there's so much good stuff we could do. And almost every church, there's especially you churches, there's so many people that feel so passionate about so many things. And so it's sometimes hard because there's so many directions that we're stretched in. So I really appreciate what, what you guys have sort of created. So tell us a little bit about the focus areas. Yes. So I think that's one of our things we've tried to do in the last year and a half is really uh, deepen our work in specific areas. And so let's say you, the vote has, we're kind of keeping as one of our core areas and that's really about promoting democracy. Um, The other Two big ones we're working on now are immigration justice, which is something we've had a lot of people interested in. Um, and I should say our kind of the 
really timely issue of the moment is talking about how to support Afghan refugees that are resettling in mm. our area. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. And so Eva Patalis has actually joined us as one of the um, co-chairs of the committee and she is taking over our immigration work and she has some great thoughts on how we can help Afghan refugees um, with everything from, you know, big asks like, they're looking for affordable housing, which is nearly impossible to find. Mm. And to just saying, hey, here are the organizations that you can give money to, or here are the ways that you can donate, you know, a warm coat or some furniture. Mm. So we have a big write-up for uh, this coming issue of the Unitarian. But again, we'll put it on the website as well and get it out in a bunch of different ways. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit about the integration work. Yeah. that she's doing. And then uh, Fran Yuan has been um, spearheading our LGBTQ plus efforts. And I think that's one where First Church really has an important role in our town. I think yeah. of it as as a very welcoming place, particularly for LGBTQ plus youth. Um, and I can actually say the other big draw for me of First Church was years ago, I stumbled across an ice cream social celebrating the first anniversary of gay marriage. Yeah. Yeah. And I walked past it and I was like, that is why I would go to a church. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, ice cream. Yeah. yeah. I was like, ice cream is celebrating this wonderful thing that brought rights to all these loving couples. And uh-huh. I was like, yeah. that is what church should be about. We actually just started connecting with some, um, some local groups in Somerville, Cambridge, Arlington, and Lexington and are hatching some fun ideas about different ways to get LGBTQ plus folks together from those different groups, uh, different towns, both youth and, um, and adults. So, so yeah, lots of, lots of good stuff is happening. Fran right in the middle of it. Mm. She's done incredible leadership, incredible work for decades now. Yeah. Yeah. It it was really sweet. We, uh, she, there were a couple of um, events last spring it's really yeah. good events, um, you know, speakers and watching yeah. a movie and that kind of thing. And her, her, her adult son joined one of them, you know, mm-hmm. from so cute <laughs> from New York, <laughs> and was like, "Thanks, mom." Yeah, just the cutest thing ever. <laughs> you know, it was really sweet. You know, because yeah. she she started this work when her son came out in high school, and you uh-huh. know, yeah, he's now like thirty. <laughs> yeah, and she just never stopped doing it. Right. It's, it's amazing. It's one of the things I think I love most about our community is like, you know, you think of so many people at First Church who are on town meeting and are just involved in so many levels of, and then the Human Rights Commission, Belmont Against Racism, it's just like over and over and over again, people really engaged and, and doing good work. It's, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. really inspiring. Um, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, it's so great. I think so often social action can be a mile wide and an inch deep, um, not in a bad way. But there's just so much to do and there's so many things that we want to do. And having those three focus areas, I think, really makes it possible for us to have a deeper engagement in a lot of 
and really have a meaningful effect um, and build on the really strong legacy of social action at, at First Church with folks like Kathy and mm-hmm. um, and so Gladys. I mean, the, Gladys. Yeah. I mean, we talk about these two acts that are going through, and you know, I think Gladys was collecting signatures and other things, you know, years ago to kind of try to move this into the um, state legislature. So uh, there's, there's a long history of that. Important to lift up Jackie Neal too, who helped. She was sort of the the chair of social action for so long. So, well, this is great. So what about the other thing that we've been checking in with folks about um, as they've been guests here on the pod or around uh, the principles and sources. So have, do you have a, a favorite or is one particularly resonant for you in this moment? Or? Yeah, I would say, I mean, my favorite is the first principle. Nice. Is this the, the inherent worth and dignity of every person, yeah. which I think is really, it's easy to say and it's harder to put into practice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's something, you know, when I do these monthly action hours, you mm-hmm. know, we're encouraged to add in some, you know, personal bit. And my, my sort of standard thing that I write is, you know, my faith leads me to believe in the inherent worth and dignity of all people. Mm-hmm. And I believe our laws should treat them accordingly. And mm-hmm. I just try to look at every one of these things and say, you know, is that actually how you treat somebody mm-hmm. with dignity? You know, like they need to be able to work. They need to be safe. They need food. They need respect. And then I would say the other piece of it is the focus on democracy, which, Mm. um, you know, is certainly true through our, and that's the fifth principle is, you know, this focus on the democratic process. So I think that ties in nicely with the, the vote, but even on a more local level, I think, you know, just being involved in town politics. So Mm. I'm on a particular kick to get more people to run for town meeting, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, because I, think that town meeting should look more like the town of Belmont. And in order to do that, we need younger folks and more diverse candidates. And, you know, a lot of times these seats go up and they're barely even contested. And so in some ways it's just a matter of kind of putting your name down and being willing to show up. Uh, But it's actually very satisfying to work on local issues because you vote on something and it happens. (laughs) <laughs> you have yeah. these immediate results yeah. and it's not actually based in, you know, it's not about Democrats and Republicans. It's sort of nobody runs on a, you know, a platform like that. It's, it's people have really varied opinions on all these different issues. And mm-hmm. when you become a town meeting member, I honestly feel like I could talk to anybody, you know, any of the 300 plus folks on town meeting and you know when i run into them downtown say you know what do you think about this question that's coming up and you know i've heard this side of it but is there another side of it is there something i'm missing Mm -hmm. you know we have these really interesting conversations and and i should say you know when i say younger people involved i should say you know i'm 46 (laughs) and i'm i'm a spring chicken for (laughs) town meeting so i think we figured out at one point there were as many people under 40 as there were over 90. Oh, wow. So it's really, I mean, I think the average age is, you know, high 60s. And it's just something where a lot of people, I think, just joined town meeting and never got off it. 
and mm. just get reelected over and over again. And so I think there's a lot of history there and that's important because issues come up and people can raise their hands and say, uh, we've discussed this a thousand times and, <laughs> you know, right. mm. but I think it's really important that we get new voices in there and that there are young parents in there because I think, um, a lot of things get decided on the town level. Well, so people should definitely reach out to you with questions about that and keep your eyes open for these these action days and announcements from the Social Action Committee and and all of the You You the Vote efforts coming up. But it's it's really incredible what you guys all have done and what you're doing personally. It's like you said at the very beginning, this is such a challenging moment and this is Mm. such a pivotal time in the life of our country and democracy and to be able to have these ways to make meaningful contributions is is just huge it's a real it's a real gift um that you're well i want to create put in two quick plugs there and one is to thank you chris because i don't know that a lot of people know this but chris comes to every one of our social action committee meetings um, and I, you've been really supportive and I think everything we've ever asked, you've said, Oh, sure. You know, right. I'll find money for that. Sure. You know, we'll, we'll make it happen. Yeah. Uh, which is really great. Really, really great. Um, yeah. and also, you know, I think it's something, I think our kids have a lot of anxiety too. You know, my daughter yes. is a really sensitive kid and, you know, they're talking about global warming and the environment and she, gave up eating meat because she was like, I really, we've got to do something. And, you know, I talk to her and I say, you know, it's not just on the individual efforts that we actually have to change, you know, the rules for these big companies that, Mm -hmm. you know, and I said, and that's why I reach out to voters is because I want people in politics who are going to like, you know, enact big changes. Um, And yes, you know, we'll recycle and we have LED lights and I want to get an electric car and all those things, but also, mm-hmm. you know, you got to change things on, a, on yeah. a big scale. Yeah. 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 It is fascinating. I mean, that comes back to what we were saying before about kids learning through this time and really understanding, you know, I was talking with one of my um, sons and we were talking about climate change and he was just really aware, you know, about the, yeah future trajectory and you know it's a different issue i'm 45 and so looking at 100 years from now is different 50 years from now is different you know he's will be you know very much here i mean my Mm. wife yeah her people live forever but um but it's amazing (laughs) it's amazing what everybody is is taking in yeah yeah and Laura, so what a, if you're a, if you're a new person to the church and you really want to get involved in social action, like what do you do? Do you reach out to 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 you and to Fran? And is, do you, is it does it involve joining the committee? Uh, how do you get your hands dirty like it. quickly? <laughs> that is a great question. So you can uh, there's a email address for social action. Yeah. Uh, social action at uubelmont.org. So very basic thing is email and say, you know, I want to be added to your email list and that will make sure that you find out when our meetings are. We meet monthly on the fourth Tuesday of the month from seven to eight 30. Um, so you can come to a committee meeting or, you know, you can reach out to me um, you can reach out to Eva Patalis or Fran Wong, um, or if you forget 
all of those names, just reach out to Chris and <laughs> say, yeah, who are the social action people? Can you give them <laughs> me their emails? Um, and then we will make an effort to kind of also put the information on the website, on Facebook, on all sorts of places. Cool. Uh, as we have more specific events coming up. And I think one of the really great things about the way that you guys are organizing this is also if somebody's just on fire for, you know, some immigration justice, if somebody's on fire for some LGBTQ plus advocacy, if somebody's just on fire around voting, you know, they can reach out and then we can be channeled into any of those Mm. individual efforts. So we had, what was it, like 80 people were involved in the UU The Vote effort um, a year ago? And so that was a lot of them, obviously, it's not a committee of 80 people. And so a lot of them were just jumping on for that project. Yep. And so there's also those options where, you know, some people will just help out with uh, pride events and just help out with, you know, so there's a lot of different ways in, um, which I think is is really helpful. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming. Thank this you. Is, it's yeah, fun chatting with you guys. Really a joy to have you, and and this is such a big, a big piece of of who we are and how we will thrive, how we are thriving already, and how we'll continue to thrive. And what I love too is it's just such a big piece of who we've been for so long. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Catherine Bonfiglio and and Fran and you know Jackie and just so and Kathy and like so many people who have been serving for so long and all of our public officials and Will and all of our town meeting people and just Mm -hmm. the list goes on and it's really it's really a beautiful part of who we are so Mm -hmm. so thank you and yeah it was great to have you it's great chatting with you guys well Sam that was great yeah that was awesome it was really fun how much we have going on, how many ways that folks can be engaged. I'm really excited for this this chapter in in the life of social action at First Church. So yeah. definitely people should reach out. As we've been doing, um, we have this section at the end of the pod for the mailbag, uh, but we're in the process of launching. So do please email me minister at uubelmont.org if you have questions you'd like sam or i to answer you can also use my long email that many of you have they both go to the same place um but so for today as as some of you might know um sam in addition to being our illustrious swiss army knife of connection and deepening and doing (laughs) about a thousand things for us at the church um, so well and so ably is also an academic and he's in the midst of uh, a phd and so do you want to tell us what is it is it interesting is it fun what you're doing it's great fun. Uh, well, um, I'm writing a PhD for the English department at my university, which is Harvard University, and uh, I'm writing about the great Irish dramatist and novelist Samuel Beckett, who uh, spent most of his life living in France and writing in French, which is interesting, and he translated yeah. it himself from French into English. Um, so I read him in both French and English, and he was a great, great dramatist of the absurd. He wrote Waiting yeah, for Godot, yeah. which he's most famous for. His novels are very powerful too. He wrote some very weird and wacky poetry, yeah. and um, and uh, I sort of, I sort of uh, fell weirdly in love with Samuel Beckett when I was when I was an undergrad, and uh, and um, 
So I'm I'm sort of I, I read a lot of his manuscripts and his letters, and I'm sort of writing a a new biography of him um, wow. from a from a perspective of a, of, an, of a fascinating friendship he had with a with a French author that's who's no one's ever heard of named Georges Pelosson. And uh, I'm sort of writing the story of of their friendship, which was um, intensely fruitful for both of their writing. They influenced mm. each other, inspired each other, but they also had a very complicated friendship because uh, Samuel Beckett during World War II fought heroically in the French Resistance, whereas wow. his friend Georges Pelasson collaborated with the, uh, the 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 German occupiers. What? And um, so they were sort of on opposite sides of the great conflict mm. of the mid 20th century. And and wow. after the war, they they sort of rather gin became friends again but and they had the, wow. the sort of immense weight of this 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 shared past hanging 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 over them and um and and i'm trying to tell the story of that that complicated friendship which in a way is a story of of uh of europe in the 20th century with all of its complicated memories and its complicated burdens so and that's what i'm interestingly also just the story about how we come together over cross divides you know yeah yeah. Did you know, I, we've never talked about this. I was in Endgame, which is a really one of these absurd yeah. Beckett plays. That's, that's, that's his greatest play, yeah. When I was in, when I was in uh, college. Yeah. It was yeah. very strange. Who did you play? I was the guy. I was the main Wait, were you guy. In the chair? Were you in the chair? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ham, yeah, yeah. So for, for the listeners who might not know this absurd, ridiculous play, it is really complex <laughs> and super duper confusing. And a friend of mine was... Uh, was directing it and we were in this little black box and it was crazy because I, the, the character ham really drives a lot of the play, but it almost doesn't matter. I would mess up the lines and sometimes we would skip around and it kind of almost didn't matter because right. it That's was the so thing about ridiculous. That play. It, yeah, exactly. It you was could... <laughs> so ridiculous and it didn't make hardly any sense. It you can sort of mix it up and no one will notice. Yeah, you really could. And it keeps everybody on their toes and two people pop up out of like a dumpster in the yeah, back. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. It is very, that's really, but anyway, the better part of what you said is that's, that story is really beautiful. So, wow. So that's why you were in France. That's why I was in France over the summer. Yeah, I was really, See, really lucky that over the summer I, I got to go. I got to go on holiday. Yeah. Uh, during that brief window during the summer when we were all super confident how everything was getting better with COVID, right. <laughs> I went over to France for a few weeks to just to have fun, but also get to go to the archives. Went to the library. I went to the national archives and got some really good work done. And it was that was really it was great. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's super fun. So. Please send us questions for the mailbag. Let's dig deeper into uh, Sam's graduate studies yeah. and really anything, anything about Unitarian Universalism, life, our backstories, whatever you like. Yeah. Minister at UUBelmont.org. And yeah, thanks so much for listening. We have some fascinating guests on the way. We do. And yeah, this has been super fun. Thanks a lot, Sam. Thanks a lot, Chris. By the way, Chris, uh, was it outside of your window that someone was yelling f- someone else? Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> it was.